Hello, how are you doing? Yeah, not bad, thank you. Quite happy because we had lots of lovely feedback about last week's episode. We did, it was lovely. People really enjoyed it and they got involved on Twitter as well. Good response to the six degrees of can't eat bacon hashtag. Yeah, have you got any favourite responses? I quite like this one actually um, because it was quite amusing. Jane Habib said that they babysat for Nick Mason of Pink Floyd but then uh, qualified that it was for his daughter, not actually for him. <laughs> Although like pop stars often need quite a lot of babysitting. My personal favourite was quite a long thread where somebody mentioned that their ex-mother-in-law taught David Baddiel how to tie his shoelaces yes. and yes. then followed literally the most Jewish Twitter conversation that's ever existed <laughs> where David immediately replied asking whether it was Marion Rosenberg and not only did they then discuss who was related to who and how they were connected but uh, people started chiming in who also might have known Marion Rosenberg and then they weren't very sure if it was the same one and then we had a lovely um what's it from that thing no i'm what's that line for i am spartacus <laughs> what is that line from i don't but know when somebody then replied i'm marion rosenberg and did a picture of spartacus and it all got very entertaining for me you know that line the name's bond james bond what film's that from? Oh, you're just giving everyone who's listening a little window into our working relationship with your very <laughs> annoying comments. We also had quite funny responses from people who went to Habs Boys School, which has produced a lot of comedians. Yeah. And I felt that's a bit of a con. Like, I think, you know, if you go to school where every time the careers advisor comes around, they just flick through a pile of notes to look important and just says, have you thought of comedy? I think it's the equivalent of sending your child to Eton and then being cross that they're not the Prime Minister. I mean, everyone gets a fair crack at it, I think, if you go to Eton. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. And uh, keep listening, because there will be another question that we put to you later in the show. Who have we got on this week? We have got the fabulous comedian, actor and friend of ours, Gareth Berliner. It makes it sound like a gangster. He's a, <laughs> he's a, <friend> of <laughs> he's a gangster in Coronation Street. Yeah, he's a friend of ours, Gareth Berliner. Who yeah. else? And their CEO of Pink News, Benjamin Cohen, who was recently bothering the BBC BC when they asked him to get involved with the question, are Jews an ethnic minority? Which really should have been discussed by anyone apart from probably the Jews. We had a lovely time chatting to them, so here you are. This episode of Jude Talking to Me was recorded under lockdown conditions. Hello, I'm Philip Simon. And I'm Rachel Krieger. We are two Jewish comedians. I'm Orthodox, so when I married my husband, we got our religious marriage contract from thousands of years of tradition and custom. And I'm Reformed, so when I married my wife, we got ours from the internet. This show is the audio equivalent of the Bible. It's full of stories with great characters and is a wholesome addition to your week. In each episode, we chat to two of our favourite Jews about their lives and experiences growing up and how much Jewishness plays a part. Are they eat, pray, love, or eat already? There's nothing of you. Welcome to Jew Talk Enemy. Let's introduce our guests. First up, we have the CEO of Pink News. It's Benjamin Cohen. Hello. Hello. Hi, Benjamin. How are you? I am good. Thank you. Lovely. Thanks for joining us. One thing we always like to find out from our guests is how they self-define as Jews. You already know that Rachel's Orthodox and I'm Reform. But what kind of Jew are you? I'm Jewish. I'm definitely culturally Jewish. I was brought up in a, I don't know, really know what to describe it as, modern orthodox hypocritical household um, so <laughs> my family pretty much 
was probably actually reform, but we were going to United Synagogue. So we'd walk to shore on a Saturday, walk home, and then drive in the car to my grandparents for lunch. And me and my sisters would duck in the car so that our more firm friends couldn't see that we were driving. <laughs> my family, incredibly hypocritical, actually, for like kosher, completely kosher home. Although for meat and milk, they used to wait an hour in between meat and milk so more following the dutch rules despite the fact that no one in the family was dutch it was our rule <laughs> but that's how i was brought up in reality of my life i'm very proud to be jewish i'm constantly under fire on social media for being jewish and being attacked for being jewish my husband isn't jewish he's not really anything at our wedding we had a Jewish blessing that was an unofficial blessing from a friend of ours who is not a rabbi and wouldn't even be considered to be Jewish by Orthodox Jews because she's a reformed convert. But we created a, a ceremony that reflected us and actually in, in a much better way than the civil marriage service did. That's a gorgeous explanation. I love the idea of creating a ceremony that matters to you and that means something to you because I think it's hard for a lot of people, for example, if you aren't brought up understanding all the prayers and then you sit in synagogue and it's a meaningless like language being thrown at you, that's quite hard. But the hypocritical Jew thing, I think, is a very common British I don't know about other countries, but British families where everybody picks and chooses the flavour of what they want to do. Exactly. There's the 613 mitzvot. So you choose the ones that I suppose mean something to you and you can ignore the ones that don't really mean anything to you or you don't really agree with. So what was it like for you trying to find your own Jewish way? It was obviously very difficult. I was brought up in this weird world, but I knew I was gay. And I knew that that wasn't allowed within the United Synagogue and without, within the way that they interpreted Judaism. So that's always like played a part with me trying to understand what does Judaism mean to me? I'm lucky that now I'm doing what I want. Me and my husband are hoping to have children. We are going to bring them up as Jewish, but it's obviously going to be a Judaism that reflects what we believe and how we want to live our lives. And it's about tradition, you know, so we do Friday night candles. My husband does the prayers because he's learned it. He has no idea what words he's actually saying or what they mean, but he's, <laughs> he's learned the sounds. And we're, we're intending to continue to do that, hopefully, when we are lucky enough to be parents. Well, it sounds like you're going to make fantastic parents. Our next guest is a comedian and actor most recently seen as Macca in Coronation Street and also as Parrot in Pirate and Parrot TV. It's Gareth Berliner. Hello. Hello, Gareth. Hi, Gareth. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Gareth, what kind of Jew are you? I define myself culturally and defensively as a Jew. <laughs> I grew up like proper Jewish, same hypocritical family that Benjamin was in, but not the same family that Benjamin was in. <laughs> um, Friday nights, I didn't go out I remember going to synagogue I was about six or seven and I'd had my birthday party at McDonald's because that was out that wasn't at home so non-kosher that was okay and I thought it was really important that I tell the rabbi what a great birthday I'd had <laughs> my vague recollection is that the rabbi humored me and was very polite I think I don't think my parents felt so good about it Gareth I always mean to ask you this because we grew up in the same area which synagogue did you go to? Beehive Lane was actually my, initially was my synagogue, 
But I also was a member of Redbridge Jewish Youth and Community Centre. So I used to go to the youth club there and I went there as a kid and I became a leader when I was older. And so that became my synagogue because it was smaller, it was a little bit more intimate. And I was mitzvah there as well. And, you know, I went to Hebrew classes Sundays, all of that stuff. I'm one of those kids that would snicker whenever we were in Hebrew classes and my teacher said Bereshit. (laughs) Just one of those. My favourite was in the Shema because there's Bharati Bar. I couldn't understand how the rabbi wasn't laughing every time yes. I said bum. So the other thing that I struggled with as a young Jewish kid at synagogue, me and my brother, w- sorry, even now thinking about it, makes me want to laugh. Me and my brother were in stitches whenever the chauffeur was blown. Just, I don't know why. I think you know why. <laughs> no, no, the obvious reasons. It was just the wording and the sound. It was really more that. And I just remember we just, it, it, it amused us. So our struggle always at Pesach was sitting there and and politely respecting how important this all was. If you being blown at Pesach, that's one hell of a tequila going to laugh. I've just revealed how <laughs> Benjamin, what is the most Jewish thing that's happened to you recently? It's not so much recent, it's, it's all the time. So I look very Jewish and I have a very Jewish name, Benjamin Cohen. And I am Benjamin Cohen on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and on email, actually, which means I get a huge amount of correspondence for other Benjamin Cohens. So yeah. the Jewish thing I get is literally every single thing that any Benjamin Cohen around the world gets. Now, there seems to be a lot of Benjamin Cohens in France who um, have quite a lot of like health issues because I get lots of emails from their doctors they have to put through Google Translate. I really love the idea that this is the most Jewish thing that's happened to you because you are getting emails from a doctor giving you symptoms that you don't actually have. And as any Jew will know, you're now there going, I do have a headache. (laughs) (laughs) Also, uh, there's a Benjamin Cohen in France who's being chased by Peugeot and another one by Audi because they haven't paid their bill. And that's because they're sending it to me, not the other Benjamin Cohen. <laughs> There's a Benjamin Cohen in Panama who is a um, TV and theatre writer, like stage play writer and director. And I get sent the proofs of his programmes and I also got sent the proof of his wedding video. There's a Benjamin <laughs> from America who went to study in China, and I get the emails from his bubba. And <laughs> now this bubba must be very confused because either her grandson never replies to her, and also he never writes to her because she would just be able to click reply and write to him rather than to me. So what's the most surprising Benjamin Cohen email you've received? There's a Benjamin Cohen whose girlfriend sent him very raunchy photos, but luckily I'm gay, so I wasn't particularly interested in them. And I had a quite sad one last week. It was just like, dear Benjamin, really sorry to hear about the death of your father. Oh my God. long life. And it's like, well, my dad is like safe and well, which I, I so that was the one that I wrote back to someone because I thought, you are clearly writing to the wrong Benjamin Cohen, and you really should know. The other Benjamin Cohens I get are a very naughty schoolboy. I can't remember where they are in America, but whenever they don't do their homework, um, I'm getting emails. So they're not Benjamin Cohen, but their dad is Benjamin Cohen, and I'm being sent emails whenever whatever the son's called doesn't do his homework. Wow. I really want you to write back to the grandma. I feel like if it was one of us, that would be our next Edinburgh show. (laughs) What about you, Gareth? What's the most Jewish thing that's happened to you recently? There's two. My rabbi regularly sends me his sermon. He pre-records all of his 
kind of sermon for the weeks now and sends it out, which is lovely because weirdly, since I've lived in Birmingham, I have my rabbi's mobile number and he has mine, which is not something anyone would ever expect of me. (laughs) But um, when I moved here, there's uh, an Orthodox synagogue on the corner here, right near the mailbox. And um, as soon as he found out I was Jewish, you know, he, he had to try and get me across the doorstep. And he knows that I don't really want to come across the doorstep too often. <laughs> but he keeps giving it a go and it's never annoying and it's just been lovely. And I actually, it's the only connection to my Judaism I have, unless I'm with my parents or another Jewish friend. So it's like this really weird, lovely relationship where, like, I, I ran into him. I was walking down the canal and I ran into the rabbi and his children. And I said, look, I'm sorry, you know, I don't always... Reply, you know, I don't really reply or whatever, but please keep sending them because I do enjoy them. And I, and I don't watch everyone, but I watch some of the sermons because it's just nostalgia. Wow, that's so lovely. Even though I remember hating being at synagogue on a Saturday when I just wanted to be out or, or doing something else and I couldn't understand the language, the one bit I always loved was the rabbi because the rabbi spoke in English and told me a story. And it all made sense why I was there because there was a parable. Whereas the rest of it, I know the Shema, I can say it, but do I know what I'm saying? Something about Israel and the temple and stuff? You know what I mean? And I, I also did actually go to synagogue during lockdown for my mate's son's mitzvah, and it was so lovely. Like, it, I've never enjoyed shul, I think, more than when I couldn't go and it would be deadly to step outside the house. I think going to shul when it's someone else's bar mitzvah is like babysitting other people's children. It's fine. <laughs> you know you can give it back. <laughs> yes, okay. yeah, yeah. It's going to be a massive pain when we have to actually go to this stuff again, isn't it? <laughs> Do you know what? Shivers are much better online. They're much better, much nicer. Get the family do a like slideshow, talk about the person, learn so much more than when you're just in like a crowded room with everyone pushing and shoving and you get your cup of tea or something at the end. It's much better. Not really many excuses for not going to one. So a lot of these things better. And as it happens, when it was my granddad's one, uh, the rabbi was saying, that he could imagine in the future, and I do think this could be true, that the Zoom shiver may continue. You may have a minion in real life, as well as then the majority of people um, appearing via, via Zoom. And, it, and it's just also really nice to have people from all around the world being able to participate. Yeah, I think that's beautiful, and it makes a lot of sense. And of course, if you're on Zoom, you could have whatever you want to drink in your own kitchen. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Oh, what could be more Jewish than interrupting our own show to remind you that back episodes of the podcast are available on all of the usual platforms, as well as our own website, JewTalkingToMe.com. And don't forget to like, share, subscribe and leave a lovely review. It's what your mother would want. Do you know what? Sometimes it seems like there are only a handful of names shared out between the whole Jewish world. Like all of Benjamin's Benjamins, we'd love to hear whether you've come across a Jew with the same whole name as you. Tell us what happened on social media at you talking without the G. And now back to the show. As a Jewish mother, my main concern is whether you have eaten yet. So that's true whenever I see anyone, even strangers. But I'm interested to hear your earlier Jewish food memories or did anything interesting happen to you around a meal? What about you, Gareth? Have you got a lovely Jewish food memory to share with us? Weirdly, I got two and one isn't Jewish food related, but sort of is. So so I suppose for me, the most Jewish meal I could have is at Pesach. And I know what we ate. That's the apple and honey, right? (laughs) 
I know that one as well. But I used to love going to look for the Afikomen. If anyone's listening who doesn't know about an Afikomen, so an Afikomen is a, like a big matzah cracker that you uh, break in half during the Seder service on Passover and you hide one half that you have to eat at the end of the Seder. Like you can't finish. It's usually about three o'clock in the morning in an Orthodox family. You can't finish until you've eaten that thing. So you hide it and then the kids nick it and then they hide it and there's like a whole bargaining going on. You usually have to bribe them to get it back so you can eventually go to bed and finish the meal. And I remember as I got older, getting upset, even though like I, I would behave like Pesach was a chore and everything else. I remember being upset when they just stopped bothering to hide an Afikoman. And I, I was a grown up at this point. But I remember just being like, but that's the bit that's fun. Why have you taken away the fun? Mum um, <laughs> chicken soup, obviously, a uh, fond memory. Making fake teeth with challah, like playing with challah because it goes really doughy and then turning it into buck teeth. My wife baking challah now for me. Aww. And she's not Jewish, so it's quite amazing. Much like your partner doing the prayers, which I think is beautiful because I'm quite romantic, so that's lovely. But the one that's not Jewish food related, but is, is when I was a kid, because my dad was really like, we must have kosher at home. Like he was the one that was like, we must eat kosher. When I would go to my grandma's, I didn't know that the salt beef and chips that I was having was bacon and chips. Wow. <laughs> she would tell me that it was salt beef so I would tell my dad when my dad asked, what did you have for lunch at grandma's? <laughs> I would say I had salt beef, egg and chips. <laughs> but that came unstuck and was discovered, weirdly, but this is my memory of it, and I would have been about 10, 9 or 10, when I went to my friend Daniel's house. My memory is that they served me salt beef, and I said, oh, I love salt beef. And then it got served and it was salt beef. And I like massively was like, this isn't salt beef. I think this is bacon. This is not <laughs> That's an amazing story. And, yeah, and true. And my, and so my dad, it was just to deceive my dad that I was eating non-kosher. Wow. What about you, Benjamin? Did your parents ever try to sneak meat into your vegetarian diet? <laughs> my parents they used to eat meat out, but obviously not like pork or shellfish or whatever, but kosher meat, but not kosher meat. Whereas I actually thought that was really stupid when I was young and I was kosher, but then I became vegetarian and now more, more veganly. When you were talking before about other food things, it also reminded me of something that my first Valentine's Day meal with my husband was actually just after I happened to have had a little a, a little operation and my dad picked me up from the hospital and then sort of brought me back to where I, we live and we went out for this romantic meal with me my dad and my then boyfriend now husband and afterwards my husband said oh is your dad just completely not kosher so I said oh why did you say that and he's like well I was just really surprised he was eating pork and my dad has just spent his whole life thinking that all salami and sausages would be cow-related beef things or chicken because of that's like what we'd be having at home. And so for all these years, and I was like making me remember, like, yeah, we, he used to do this when we go on holiday to Spain, we'd always be having salami. And I didn't really think about it because I'm vegetarian. We think what they were. And he'd spend his whole like adult life 
eating salami, not realizing that it was pork. That's amazing. How did he react when he found out? Well, he found out by my mum telling him he wasn't allowed to do that anymore. Um, <laughs> he still, like, still wants it because he likes the taste. But as the cogs were, it just seemed actually it was really weird. Like, yes, when we'd go on holiday when we were children to Spain, he'd go to like Lidl or whatever and buy like a bit of salami. Like it, the whole thing didn't actually make sense. And because it was written in Spanish or whatever, German or something, like, he didn't realize what it was. But he, I think he misses eating those sorts of things when he goes to like a nice Italian restaurant. And now I probably outed him. So if anyone's <laughs> listening, my parents don't do that now. My dad doesn't eat pork. Honestly, that's one of my favorite stories I've ever heard. I feel that's a real scoop for the show as well. I'm, I'm, yeah. glad, you, I'm glad you qualified it so that your, your dad is secure in, <laughs> in what he eats. Now, ironically, that could have led to a huge, huge family Bruegus. We want to know about the Bruegus's that you know about in a part of the show we like to call Bagel or Beigel. Gareth, are there any dark secrets lurking in your closet? Do you know what? My Bruegus really is the whole Beigel or Bagel thing. Because it wow. really is. That's a problem that I'm trying to learn to deal with. But for me, it's a bagel. Oh. It's always been a bagel. And the bagel bakery in my land is the bagel bakery. It's not the bagel bakery. Why is it not the bagel bakery? <laughs> <laughs> That's one place where I'm like, I'm angry. I feel like it's America's fault. And I'm angry with, like, I was annoyed about Trump. Yeah, really annoyed about Trump. But I'm more annoyed about the bagel thing. It's <laughs> ours. And it's a thing that should be boiled before it's baked. And that's how it goes. And now people go and go, oh, no, it's bagel. What do you mean, bagel? It's a bagel. And I'm having those arguments with non-Jewish people who just don't get it. So what you've done is stirred me up by asking me, do you have a Bruegus? Bagel or bagel? Yeah, now now I've got a Bruegus in my head. Bagel or bagel? It is bagel. I, no! I do think, <laughs> so I'm bagel. And it, I do think it's like a generational thing. So... I'm pretty sure my nieces, they insist it's a bagel. So yeah. I'm concerned that the next generation, that's it. It's like Judaism, man. It's like you've married out, I've married out. We're watering down. But never mind that. Bagel, bagel, it's over. I just want to say that this is the third series of the show and I've never been happier than I am in this moment where we are a majority of bagels yeah. over is bagels. It, is it three to one? It's, yeah. it's three to two because our producer, Russell, also says bagel. He's actually, I can see him shaking his head and writing something down and looking angry. <laughs> I mean, the show has evolved over three series where the majority of people and now wrong. Um, <laughs> you are incorrect, Billy. And, really. and that's that's why I actually put one of those videos on TikTok the other day based on one of those trends of annoying ways that people pronounce certain words. And I said it was bagel or bagel. And someone commented saying, no one says it like that. I was like, oh, you have no idea. <laughs> you, <laughs> you've link. You've got to, yeah, I, I said, you've got to come listen to you talking to me because this is <laughs> literally all we do. I don't want to make the whole thing the bagel bagel debate, but can I pointedly say the bagel is a thing of American sitcoms and shows led by non-Jewish people. Bagel is like the East End. It's Bagel. I just, I, I can't, and it feels right. I just feel, Philip, I'm right. I feel like Gareth's speech has sort of roused me in a political way. Like, I want to vote for you for something now, honestly. <laughs> this is my St. Crispin's Day. Like, this, but for God and for George and Harry in England, like, this is, it's Bagel. And it will always be Bagel. And I'll always stand by that. I'll die for Bagels. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> I mean, keep saying Beigel, and you might. So we're going to move on. Benjamin, do you have a Broigus that's not going to upset me? I do vaguely remember one family Broigus. It was like one of the first days and nights that my sister arranged when my nieces were little and when they were very small we were dressing up for Satan night so you were dressed up as one of the plagues and I just I can't remember the exact reason why but just a huge row ended up breaking out and it was just it felt so also ridiculous because my uh, brother-in-law's late father was dressed up as a frog during this argument. My brother-in-law was an Egyptian arguing with my sister. My sister's mother-in-law was like, it was just, it was just quite, it was just felt quite surreal because it was a debate happening while everyone was dressed up. From now on, you should only be allowed to have arguments if you're in fancy dress. I just think that will improve <laughs> all arguments if you have to have a costume. The idea of a frog arguing with Pharaoh is so brilliant. And I am going to wear fancy dress next time I want to start a row with anyone in my house. Yeah, and by the way, doing the fancy dress makes the Satan night so much better. My family now has that as a tradition. My sister does like really amazing things, like down the whole of the table, she turns the table into the sea, into the sea, and so it's, you've got the whole the split sea and the uh, people like walking through it. It's like quite cool. This is the most important question I'm going to ask this whole show. What are you dressing up as this year? We're not doing it on Zoom, I don't think. So we're doing it in a more boring way. We did last year. We used like snapchat filters to turn ourselves into things i imagine something like that will happen but to be honest i don't know if it's like this for other people like basics like suddenly just like hit us everything else has been going on because we're like planning to move and stuff like there's lots of stuff going on and suddenly oh my god right it's Saturday night in, in like a, what, a few days ago and it was like in a week it's like we don't even know what we're doing and it's actually weird because my one sister is here and then my other sister and her husband are in Israel and actually they're having a normal inverted commas Satan night. So they're going to the in-laws for Satan night. So they won't be joining our Zoom Satan night this year. But those of us in the less advanced vaccination programmes of the UK will be doing it this way. I wish Benjamin was doing his family Seder this year in the old way because I'd be trying to wangle an orphan's invite and I'm not an orphan. I just, it sounds <laughs> What would you dress up as, Gareth? Oh, cowboy. Cowboy is always an easy one. It's a good one. That well-known plague. <laughs> That's the best bit of the Pesach story. I thought I'm going to come as Robocop. <laughs> the last time we did in real, real life, I can't remember what the theme was, but I have a, I have a matching t- um, shirt and short combo which is of the Sistine Chapel, and that was my costume. So I was heaven, I guess, or the angel of death or something. Everybody loves a bit of Jewish geography. So if you think about the idea of six degrees of can't eat bacon, other than the three of us, who is your most interesting personal Jewish connection? So Benjamin, what about you? I very nearly became Benjamin Netanyahu's boss in the oh. really quite strange way. I was at, in sixth form at JFS and I was known that this period as like a teenage.com millionaire. So about to go into my English class and my phone was buzzing so I had a... A voicemail saying it's the Israeli embassy. Can you phone this number? So I phoned the number, and they said that Benjamin Netanyahu, so he'd just been voted out of office, was flying between New York and Tel Aviv with a stopover in London, and would like to meet me. He'd read about me in the Times or something, and would like to meet me. Did I know where my passport was? So it's like I phoned my dad and said, "Can you take me to Heathrow Airport to meet?" Benjamin Netanyahu and bring my passport. He's like, okay, I'll do that. Then he picked me up from Jeff Ferris in Camden. We were driving down to Heathrow and we got there and 
I don't know, they'd had some instruction or whatever on the gate and they were convinced that my dad was my chauffeur driver and wouldn't let him into this meeting. And I remember saying that like, I really want my dad to come to the meeting. And I did have a meeting with Benjamin Netanyahu about whether he would join the board of Jewishness, <laughs> which was a very surreal meeting as like a 17 year old to be having with a former prime minister, had the conversation, but I'm, we took the decision that we didn't want to do any business with Benjamin Netanyahu. But that was, that's my six degrees of separation connection to him. That's wow. amazing. I also love the fact that your dad, they saw him and thought he was the chauffeur and thought he's not due for Esser. What about you, Gareth? Who's your most interesting Jewish connection? Well, I do remember a lovely Jewish man that had an impact on me when I was younger, where I was into um, cartooning a lot and somehow I think there was an article about me doing some cartoon or something in the paper or something like that and through it I was contacted by a gentleman called Phineas May and he used to be at the Jewish Museum as like a guide or something but he'd, he was a Jewish guy and he'd written this book on cartooning that was published in like 1935 or something. And he gave me a copy of the book and wrote in it and signed it and took me around the Jewish Museum. That's it. That's so lovely that he took such a personal interest in you and what you were doing. Just a nice, sweet story. Do you want to connect to that? There's a photograph of me in the Jewish Museum from, ah. from an exhibition that they made of LGBT Jews. Cool. Um, one of my grandmas likes to go, eat, well, pre-lockdown would go there and post her photographs next to me. Okay, yeah. and my sister-in-law and brother-in-law and their kids are the family in the video of a Friday night dinner. And I have heard of the Jewish Museum. <laughs> <laughs> so we all have something to be proud of. Obviously, this show is very much about your Jewishness, and we want to know how that has impacted on your careers, if at all. Benjamin? My original business and things was all about being Jewish, so it started it all. Um, but then I, you know, I... I I was a correspondent of Channel 4 News for six years. There were quite a lot of Jews at Channel 4 News and the Jews had to work on Christmas Day and Boxing Day. It was just all the Jews who worked work that day, which did mean I get, got to do some quite exciting stories that, that when people died and things when it was uh, around Christmas. So I wouldn't have got to do those stories had I not been Jewish and had I not been working there. But now, Judaism impacts on my career in strange ways. Like I just randomly ended up having a massive row with uh, the BBC after they invited me on to to comment on a debate saying, should Jews count as an ethnic minority or something ridiculous like that? So now my Jewishness impacts on it for just people being able to attack me or just like argue with me on social media, as they always do. Basically, what I find is that anyone who's trying to have a go at me, they always start with something to do with like homophobia or transphobia or something. But within you know, a few of the tweets, it goes back to like, basically I'm a Jew and I'm trying to control the world because unfortunately, I guess I'm maybe like fulfilling a stereotype. You know, I, I run the world's largest LGBT media company and I am a Jew. So a Jew is controlling the LGBT media. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and it was a Jew that, uh, you know, I, I chaired the campaign for same-sex marriage in England and Wales. So, you know, a Jew tried to redefine marriage in England and Wales and 
it was me who got Theresa May to do a speech where she called for the reform of the Gender Recognition Act. So it was a Jew that was trying to uh, change the definitions of uh, gender and sexuality. So I guess in, in that way, I'm that one of those terrible Jews that is trying to control the world, although I was trying to do nice things. It just happens that I happen to be Jewish. Those are all important things. Absolutely. Gareth, how about you? How has your Jewishness impacted on your career? If it has negatively, I've never known it. Although I do think sometimes people don't know I'm Jewish, so I've heard the odd thing said in front of me that maybe might not have been said in front of someone people knew was Jewish. Has it impacted my career? Yeah, in, in good ways, in nice ways. I am um, good friends with uh, Ray Simonson, who's the uh, manager of JW3. And so when he wanted to do Jewish comedy and put comedy on, have a Jewish comedy festival, I, I worked on that. And I loved that because it was having a connection with the community. So I, it has impacted, but only on the level of really sort of getting some gigs sometimes that might be Jewish. But I also think there's other gigs that I wouldn't get because in I don't think people think of me as Jewish. I mean, I think it's so obvious I'm Jewish when you talk to me, but I'm married out and, you know, I don't eat kosher. But my, my Jewish identity means a tremendous amount to me. It really does. And, and, and I think it means a tremendous amount because, thankfully, even though my parents encouraged me to meet all kinds of people, if we were ever at risk, I would never hide that, you know, I was Jewish. Like, I don't know, I didn't mean to go off on that and get maudling on the question about career. But when you talk to other Jewish people, and we're all from different styles of Judaism or practice or levels at which we operate, it's so nice because it's just something that will always be a part of me that I don't share with everyone. And I have this very small group of people that I share some amazing connection with, even if we don't agree on everything, whether that's Israel or Beigel Bagel, you know? Well, to be honest, you said Beigel, so you are welcome back anytime. It's been so lovely chatting. <laughs> I really don't get to sit with and talk to three other Jewish people very often at all. You should go to show more often. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's nearly all we've got time for. But how will our audience know what you're up to if you never call, you don't write? Normally, we'd allocate 20 seconds to do this. But for you, 30. Gareth. If you're a parent or if you know someone who is a parent that has children, young children, check out Pirate and Parrot TV. My wife and I in lockdown made a kids children series that's about eight episodes long. It's called Pirate and Parrot. It's about the world's tallest parrot meeting the world's smallest pirate. And it's beautiful and sweet. We have a company together that's called A Little Commitment and we do disability workshops and comedy workshops and all kinds of workshops. You can check us out online. Uh, my website, www.garethbelina.com and my website with my wife is www.alittlecommitment.com. Check my Instagram. Most of it's Gareth Belina and you'll find something. And that's about my level of plugage. <laughs> Gorgeous. And I'm just going to say that uh, pirate and parrot or parrot and pirate always get the wrong way around but it's really really fabulous i've seen quite a few episodes and recommended it to lots of people with young kids because oh, it's great and benjamin where can people find you on social media find me at benjamin cohen i've actually been at the moment been posting quite a lot about um so i also i live with ms i have ms um and i've actually been having an ms attack at the moment uh, which i happened to mention when i was on radio 4 talking about something completely different which then caused a lot of people to get in touch so there's a there's a video that on my linkedin particularly is getting some really good engagement and reaching a lot of people who've recently been diagnosed and things like that so 
keen to be talking and highlighting people to to see that um but you know i i'm running pink news so you can check all the content out on pink news on, on our various different social platforms um and i particularly plug if there's any listeners who are on snapchat we have nine shows on there and i'm really excited about one of our new shows which is called workout which is our inclusive fitness brands where you can see all sorts of inclusive fitness stories. I think I said to you when we met that I reckon I share more pink news articles than I do from the Jewish press. It's hard to understand because like Jewish community, things like Jewish Chronicle and Jewish News we think of as as really big in our community. But it's it's, it's important to realise actually how small the Jewish community is. And I, I remember once I was on BBC having some to pay about trans things and they'd early had a conversation about anti-semitism in the labor party and they then went on to trans things and there was a woman from the daily telegraph who said what percentage of the population is trans so i said i know about one percent and she's like well that seems pretty insignificant why so much time being spent so i said well that's massively more than the number of jews and you wouldn't say that anti-semitism i hope is insignificant so why do we say that transphobia is insignificant Well, I've absolutely loved this. And now we'll always think of Gareth as the Jew who loves hearing the shofar, especially during the Passover Seder. And Benjamin as the Jew who did the show for us, even though we were trying to book a different Benjamin Cohen from France. (laughs) And as my grandfather used to say, I loved seeing your smiling faces arrive and I'll love seeing your little tuchuses leave because sadly we've come to the end of this week's show. We'd like to thank our guests, Gareth Berliner and Benjamin Cohen. Follow them on social media. Follow us on social media at Jew Talking without the G. Don't forget to find Jew Talking to me wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you subscribe like and share with absolutely everybody you've ever met and join us next time on Jew Talking to Me Jew Talking to Me was hosted by me Philip Simon and me Rachel Krieger it was produced by Russell Vulcan I've never actually been to the mood but my parents went one year and they went to a session called Under the Rainbow Chuppa. And it was about like same-sex marriage and things. My mum was sitting next to a woman who literally thought she was going to a session about how to hire a rainbow chuppa for their wedding. Oh. <laughs> it was straight, like, for a straight wedding. That's really cute. I love that. Oh.